the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Get it on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. My name's Mark Hiles, and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is episode 194 of the podcast that refreshes parts that other podcasts cannot reach. And on the thirst-quenching buff this week, the cavalry is here, but will it make a difference? Take a toll, Bolton have to pay a bonus for their new cap. Law and order, is it safe to watch Wanderers again? And which former defender is now an MMA fighter? Find out very, very soon. So stop raking the leaves, grab a pumpkin spice latte and crank up the central heating a notch. Football's back. Let's talk about it. Arriving is Holden. It's Almanda. Still Almanda. Wonderfully done. What a sensational goal. That was outstanding from Johan Almanda, Bolton's top scorer, his sixth goal this season, and what a beauty! Every once in a while a player becomes a new dad and then he has a great game, he gets his headlines and then he goes on a three-month spiral because he's not getting enough sleep. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the one podcast that Henry Hewitt will shine on. Welcome back, mate. Thank you. Yes, at the end of the podcast, I'm ready to do the baby uh, uh, goal celebration. If you'd like to join me, um, whether that be the the one where you 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 know got them in your arms, yeah. or the one where now the modern day one is where uh, players put the the thumb in the mouth like a dummy, don't we? That's the the modern day version. But anyway, I'll be doing both of them throughout this podcast because this will be a great podcast. This will be a great podcast, but I want to take I, I want to take issue. I think Bebeto popularized popularized that uh, that that sort of cradling thing. You've got a, a new baby. Have you ever cradled your baby like that and then rocked it backwards and forwards as if it was like a, a quarter of sweets in your hands? <laughs> <laughs> I've not no, and I think if I did, my wife would have something to say about it. So probably best off that I don't. But. Um, no, it's, uh, it's good to be back, Mark. I, I don't know what we're going to talk about today. We might have to just <laughs> dissect your, uh, Kevin Davis, um, you know, your interview yeah. and your, your five-parter with him. But uh, no, it's good to be back. Uh, shout out to Derek as well. He did a great job. I, I, on that first one, I was listening uh, while we were, uh, Poppy had been induced, so I was listening to you both uh, while she was next to me just waiting for the next thing to happen. So uh, it, it passed the time, definitely. Yes, some people have said the sound of me and Derek is actually worse than labour, so it's uh, it's <laughs> nice to know there's a there's an alternate view out there somewhere. Um, no, yeah, so I, but... I saw the comments. I was getting tagged in some that first week saying how great Derek was. I was like, all right, I can see this. Derek is great, but I am still here. <laughs> I don't know what happened. You know, the, the numbers just went absolutely ridiculous. Now, I think it was Carlisle fans because... In the time-honoured tradition, there, there seemed to have been some sort of beef after after mm. Carlisle beat Bolton, and there was some sort of Twitter beef between the two sets of fans. So any mention of Carlisle, all of a sudden, it was being kind of raided. And I think because we put Carlisle in the headline of that, no, I don't think it was anything necessarily to do with Derek. Although you know he's got a lot of good, he's got a lot of fans out there. He does a very good job, but yes. I, I think it was a an invasion from the north, basically. Um, the the <laughs> well, listenership in uh, in Penrith and Kendall went up about two thousand percent. 
Yeah, well, you said there's uh, the sounds of you and Derek are worse than labor. I think watching that match again it was, uh, I would rather watch my wife in labor. Um, it was funny because at that point, uh, she hadn't actually gone into, she'd been induced, but she hadn't gone into proper labor yet. So I was watching the match while she was getting uh, some sleep. And um, I, I joked with her just before it, I said, you know what, if, you, if the baby's born today, whoever scores for Bolton, I'm going to name him after him. And uh, I guess own goal Hewitt doesn't have the same ring to it. So uh, I'm but glad was that he wasn't born. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> it was, amongst many other things. But um, but no, it was, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad when he was born on a very early Monday morning, I'm glad um, I'm glad he, he could distract me from that Bolton performance. So give us the details then, the, 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 the name. Uh, well, it's called Arthur Charles Hewitt, uh, which when I told you, we were trying to, we were racking our brains of, because uh, obviously Charles, Dion Charles, you know, so he's already got a chant and walking around the house singing Arthur, Arthur Charles. Um, <laughs> but uh, we were like, oh, maybe there's an Arthur in the, you know, in the uh, years and years ago in the 50s, the 40s, uh, the great FA Cup teams of, a, of the 20s. And then, of course, we forgot about Arthur Ganua. So, uh, yeah, so, and, uh, you know, Arthur my son at the moment hasn't been far from his home either. So he lives um, near your house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, uh, no, it was, uh, he's named after his, his, uh, my granddad and, and Poppy's granddad. So, uh, yeah, all good. He's doing well. I've, I took him, um, I took him for his first trip to the tough sheet, uh, a few days after he was born. Um, and honestly, the, the only reason for that was, I needed to go to Halfords and the, the nearest one to me that had what I needed was at Old Trafford. So uh, Poppy and said, well, I've not been out the house really yet. We could test the car seat out. I'll, uh, I'll come with you. And I went, the first ground he's seen is not going to be Old Trafford. I'm sorry. I'm not having that. So we took a trip to the tough sheet at a subway and walked around the stadium and then went. Uh, so it was 10 miles out the way for us. But the first football stadium he saw was the tough sheet community stadium. So I was happy. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yes, a young wanderer already. Um, but I, I tell you what, there's a fair few thousand wanderers that have, have been going through the mill a little bit recently. I, I just get the feeling at the minute, there's, it feels there's a lot of unhappy people for whatever reason. And whether that's fair, whether that's just overreaction, which, are, you know, folk in these parts are prone to that sort of thing. But mm. that result definitely got people's backs up. And I know... Uh, Ian Everett went up to the Lancaster Whites the other day and even the Lancaster Whites who were a lovely group of people by the way you couldn't ask for a nicer room of people even they were thinking oh you know I wonder if there's going to be any awkward stuff here because you know it's it's not uh, it's not been going that well on the pitch and even though Bolton are sixth and even though they only lost the one game it, it just feels like there's a bit of a mood at the minute. Yeah, well, we said this at the start of the season that this was a, a, a big season because Bolton were put as, as favourites early on. But as a result of that, you know, the, there's going to be a lot of pressure. And I think yeah. there has been moments, hasn't there, under Ian Everett's time as manager, take out the League Two season because the fans weren't there. But, you know, we played Accrington away two seasons ago when there were a lot of injuries and that sort of November, December period, he was under a bit of pressure. There were moments last year and I guess this is the moment this year, and um, it's this is it now for for Bolton this season. Is you'd think it would change next season if we got promoted? I think people would give him a bit of leeway then. But mm. at the moment, people are expecting us to be top of the league, and you're looking and thinking, well, we're what eight, seven points off Portsmouth at the moment. And you know, don't get me wrong, I do trust that 
we we will go on a run and we will be I don't think we'll we'll drop out the playoffs much and we will be closer to promotion than we were last season but yeah it just seems at the moment that you know fans are expecting us to win every game and I think uh, especially Carlisle at home with respect to them you go one nil up to lose three one I think uh, yeah it just I can understand the disappointment I I can understand when the 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 club are say kind of saying well you know, we're still sixth. We're not far off that two points a game ratio that Ian Everett wants. But, uh, yeah, you know, that's the pressure they're under at the moment. It does put a lot of pressure on this weekend, I think. And it's his 181st game this weekend. So he goes ahead of Jimmy Armfield, the great uh, gentleman Jim. Mm. Um, and he took Bolton out of this division mm-hmm. in 72, uh, 73, I think it was. Um, before he left off for Leeds. He's only two behind Colin Todd, who also, of course, famously... Well, I suppose he took Bolton out of the Premier League. Well, it was half his fault. But uh, he, he certainly took them back in in style, let's put it that way. Um, he's, he's starting to, to have that longevity. And any manager's going to go through peaks and troughs when they have that sort of, of, of longevity. Uh, but I still think he's trying to win over the same sort of people. It's it's almost it's it's almost generational for me. I I look at it and I think if you if you're a younger fan, you are more likely to be bought into what Ian Everett is doing than the older fan is. Is that is that mad? Is that fair? Um. Yeah. I I think. Well, I think it's natural. It's natural with any uh, fan base, not just Bolton's, that the older fan base maybe have seen a bit more, and they, you know, they can appreciate where we've come from, and 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 actually, I think, you know, your, your times change and your priorities become different. Like, I guess the older fan have got, uh, I don't know, they've got kids, they've got grandkids, they've got different things going on where they and they see going to watch Bolton is just a bit of a, a release on a Saturday, whereas the younger fan base perhaps. Uh, it means more, and they've, mm. they, they, you know, they, they'll compare themselves to other teams, and why aren't we doing that? And um, so, I, I guess there is that in it. But also, you know, I think for me, and I'm 33 now. Like, you know, I've I've been quite uh, defensive of the team and the style of play and stuff like that. And to be honest, yeah, Carlisle was disappointing, but I still look and think, well, we're sick. You know, we're not 16. It'd be an issue with 16th. And I think if we lost on Saturday, then yeah, that, that would be an issue then because we could drop down to about 10th or 11th. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I don't blame the sort of a younger fan base for getting upset and wanting more because, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I remember when I was a teenager and watching us in the Premier League and in Europe. And, you know, I, I'd at that point not seen, but the lowest I'd ever seen Bolton was sixth in the championship. And it was that way until I was like 23. So uh, I remember my dad saying like, because I was thinking, oh, we'll be in Europe, we'll do, we'll just continue this. And he was like, no, 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 no. Enjoy this while you can. It, you know, if we lose 1-0 to Watford, it doesn't matter. Just enjoy this while you can because Bolton's natural place is not here. So I think with age becomes uh, wisdom, I guess. So wise, Henry. So wise. Fatherhood is suiting you, mate. So it's such, such, such <laughs> a nice to have a bit of wise... Uh, wise sage back on the podcast uh, we've been talking about the cavalry the cavalry's coming the cavalry's... it seems to have been a bit like that Peter K sketch where he's talking about the the, the, the taxi that's just round the corner um, <laughs> yeah. because we've been waiting for these injuries to come back for ages it looks like as we sit here I, I'm kind of guessing but I'm 
I'm pretty sure we've got the likes of Santos, Magoma, getting Jones back. Gomez is on his way as well. So can can we probably judge them a bit more fairly? How how big a dent did that make for you? Um it it did, obviously. You lose them players, it's gonna have a have a dent, but I don't know. I think it, Magoma and Gomez haven't really uh, ignited yet. So uh, whether they would have, I guess you will never know whether they would have done in the, no. the last six games. Santos, yeah, is, is a miss. Um, and I think we have started to leak goals. So hopefully that'll, that'll change now. Santos is back. Jones, I know, has had an iffy season. And I know a few of the fan base aren't his biggest fan at the moment. But I think he's he's an experienced head within that um you know within that team and again you know he's not been here the last few games and we've conceded goals so mm. is does that have something to do with it so i think we'll always be better for the, those players around because they're all good players but I, I still think the team that's being put out is you know it's still a, a a good team you know it's still a team that should be doing a lot better than losing 3-1 at home to carlisle so I, I, i'm excited to see him back but to be honest, I'm not necessarily personally looking at it and thinking, oh, we've been down to the bare bones because I, I still think we've had good players in there. The other point of uh, of note, we got an FA Cup draw in midweek and a home draw against Solihull Moors. Now, I know you've been doing some deep in, uh, research into Solihull Moors, the history mm-hmm. of the club, preferred formations, you know, club legends, that sort of thing, Henry. Can you uh, can you can you bring us up to date? Yes, they like to play uh, a formation that adds up to uh, ten, and then you add the goalkeeper onto it. So that's that's the preferred formation. Um, they uh, play their games in and around Birmingham, I believe. It's a nice place. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, in my deep digging, I, I dug my way from uh, from Swinton to Solihull Moors, uh, Solihull, I should say. So. Yeah, it is a nice place. Um, Dapo knows Solihull quite well, and uh, I believe Nathan Baxter was being tagged in some tweets, so I, I, he must know it very well as well. Yeah, yeah, um, I, think he, did he, I think he did play there actually. Thinking on it, he played for some some weird and wonderful non-league teams, so could be. But yeah, I forgot about uh, Dapo actually. Yeah, so uh, and they are third, I think, in the national league. So I mean, that was the main thing was. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I, I have rambled on. That was the only thing I looked at uh, Solihull. Uh, because uh, I know they have the name, you know, you, you notice teams, don't you, in the National League who are getting in the playoffs and that sort of thing, and, and they are doing. So they're, they're knocking on the door of the Football League, and um, it's going to be a tough game. You know, we, we had it with Stockport a few years ago. Um, you know, I, they got a draw and then beat us at their place. Hopefully we can get, well, I, I say hopefully we can get the job done. Uh, in the first, you know, in the, the, the home game, in the first game. But, Mark, I think you might fancy a draw, is that right? A draw. A draw, yes, I think I would, actually, because I've I've not done the ground. I'm, I'm an unashamed ground ticker. And, uh, you know, if they can get a draw at home and then a nice televised, because a bit of money there, of course, then televised replay, winning the replay, of course, and then, you know, Sutton United or Harrogate away in the second round would be perfect for me. Uh, but, yeah, interesting comparison with uh, Stockport as well. Um, I think after last time, Bolton never lost to a non-league club before that day. And no. that has obviously broken the seal. You can see the 
you know, if it's bad enough losing 3-1 at home to Carlisle United, then good grief, the, the fire and brimstone that rained down after that Stockport result was uh, was something to be, behold. So, yeah, it's there. It's a banana skin for Bolton. They're going to have to be professional about it and get the job done. But I think um, I think it will be tough. I'm with you, to be honest. Um, OK, well, so after a couple of weeks of reading out my own headlines, like some type of surf, <laughs> uh, Henry's finally back to do the job. He was born to do. Henry, take it away. News. Owen Toll gets the ball, scores a goal, and he, he didn't for Northern Ireland, but he had his first game. So he he, he's now a, a, a fully fledged international. He is. And, and well done to him as well, by the way. I think uh, it, uh, it, was a, it, it wasn't a great game. Um, certainly, if you're Northern Irish, it wasn't a great game. Uh, I thought Tolly did okay. I don't know that he watched it. He was um, he was up against a really good player in Sesco, Benjamin Sesco, who nearly signed for United in the summer, um, and he's gone to uh, RB Leipzig. So he's kind of a lot of people have have compared him to Haaland in in his kind of career. Mm. I mean, the fact he's quite a big big guy, uh, but I thought Toll did pretty well, and it was a bit of a makeshift island team. The fact that he's played for Northern Ireland means that Bolton have got to pay more money to Derry. Uh, the, the number, we're told, is about the same as they paid up front for him. So it's around €100,000. Um, about sort of Let's 18. hope that exchange rate isn't very well, good at the Exactly. Moment. I mean, I, I don't know if it's improved or declined, to be honest, um, since they signed him about, what, about 16 or so months ago. But it, look, he's done a really good job and I think Bolton will have will have known that day was coming so it will have been factored and etc because he's, he's definitely been on a an upward trajectory hasn't he since he since he signed for Bolton but uh yeah I mean he, he, there was a couple of little little errors in there and I, obviously the one that, that got the goal that got ruled out by VAR was uh, was a little slip from Toll so I'd be glad that didn't happen but I think all the Irish papers were quite complimentary I think they did quite well what he's got to do now and and this really is a challenge that, that Michael O'Neill, the, the international manager, has, has, has laid down. Is He's got six or seven League One players now. He wants them to be playing in the championship. And that is something for a young man like Owen to think about now. Because if, if he can't do it with Bolton, he's got to go and do it with somewhere else. He now has international ambitions that he's got to push forward. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at him and Charles, and uh, we'll talk about Toll just for a moment because we do talk about Dion quite a lot on the podcast. But uh, you, you know, if you look at Toll, he this time last year he hadn't played a league game, had he? He was um, he hadn't had his debut yet in the league, and the fact that twelve months later he's now uh, playing for Northern Ireland is a testament to him. And I think when you look at the the Ian Everett, Chris Markham signings and the fines, I think Owen Toll, you could argue, is the the biggest find that they've had. Because he came from nowhere, they've looked, found him. I, I think we've told probably more than Charles that he he maybe could suit an extra year in in League One. I know he's got a loftier ambitions. I know Northern Ireland wants him to play higher, but you know because he's not had that full season yet in League One, uh, just playing regular would would help him. Where but there will be that point where he will have to move up, whether that be Bolton or or someone else. But the way he's been playing, I think if if it got to that point where he had to move on, I think he'd have his quite a few suitors in the championship. So that'd be good for Bolton. They'd be making that, I don't know, that whatever the exchange rate, that £92,000 back. Okay, next headline. Uh, so Ian Everett has uh, 
has said that he's hoping for the X factor, mm. so the players can make the difference. So as I'm assuming that with Magoma and Gomez coming back, they fall into that bracket. Yeah, I think he, he was looking at the Carlisle game and, and the fact that Carlisle sat deeper and it was difficult to break down once they'd got ahead. And maybe that kind of player would have made more of a difference. And I understand where he's, where he's coming from. Obviously, he's brought in Magoma and Gomez as players who can carry the ball, players who can dribble the ball, take people on, etc. And there, there weren't... There's not too many other players in that squad that can do that kind of thing. Um, so they have been a miss. They have been a miss. I know they haven't really broken in uh, to be considered regulars in the first team yet. But then again, if, if you're out injured, you're never going to be able to do that sort of thing, are you? So it, it, between him and Santos, I think they have been big misses personally. Uh, it just means that they can't alter what they were doing. I think what... What were you, you were talking about before about the team that went out there against Carlisle was Bob on. It was good enough to win that game, no question. But when you have to try and change the game, you look at that bench and there wasn't really any sort of alternates. And I think Magoma and Gomez give you a chance of, of changing the game plan a little bit if they were available. Um, and I can hear people screaming at me now, but he should have signed two or three other people in the... Uh, yeah, and that's that's a fair point. I think he's he's going to be laid bare to that accusation until January. Uh, you know, I, I know Ian Everts said before he can't sign a million players. He didn't have a, a budget to be able to, to sign any more players. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be a debate that carries on, whether he does, he does have a, a deep enough squad to do what he says he's going to do. But I do think... Particularly Gomez, I think we've not quite seen the best of Magoma yet, but I think we were just starting to see what Magoma, what uh, Gomez was going to bring when he got his injury. So I'm hoping he's back sooner. Um, you know, hopefully by uh, by midweek next week, in fact. But uh, but Magoma, I think, is going to make a, a very quick quick difference to the way that he can change a game. Yeah, I think that um, they'd kind of been eased in, hadn't they? And you'd, yeah. you'd seen glimpses, but we'd not seen. For me, at the moment, with Magoma uh, and Gomez, we haven't seen enough for him to start. However, I do believe that both players will, um, you know, will get to that point, and hopefully by Christmas they will be starters or or pushing mm. for starts and showing enough that that they can do. So I'm looking forward to seeing both of them actually. And uh, uh, did you did you notice uh, poor Carlos Mendes Gomez? He uh, George Johnston, they did a, a video, didn't they, the Bolton uh, on Wanderers TV where they saw their FIFA ratings for the first time. Mm. Uh, George Johnston, <laughs> it's got Mendes Gomez, went, hairline, zero. I thought, <laughs> bless him. <laughs> as, uh, as someone in their 30s, and I know, Mark, you know, I've, I know you'll be, you'll appreciate this as well, is that when people are talking about hairlines and, and stuff, I'm, uh, I'm, on, I, I'm, I'm very defensive along, of, around it because... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, getting into my late thirties. I don't think I've got much left on mine. No, no. Well, look, it's uh, it's it's easily done. My my hairline backpedaled in in my twenties, so I've been I've had ages to get used to it. Honestly, I just live for the day that uh, my age catches up to my hairline. To be honest, it'd be great. Um, give me another headline. Something hopefully nothing to do with age. Um. Okay, well, we'll we'll talk. Nothing, we'll talk about something not to do with age in a moment. But first, let's talk about Cameron Jerome. <laughs> um, so Cameron Jerome has obviously been a, 
a player that a lot of fans have looked at and, and haven't quite clicked with yet, you know, um, since he signed in January. Now, yeah. Ian Everett has actually come out and defended him and said what he does off the pitch. And I know we're going to have a load of people listening now going, who cares what he does off the pitch? It's all about what he does on the pitch and he hasn't scored yet. But uh, Cameron Jerome apparently is a big voice. He's a, he makes a big impact behind the scenes. Um, do, does every club need a player like this or, or would, would you swap Jerome for a player who... Might be a bit quieter, but we'll score ten or fifteen goals a season. I think if you could swap him for a ten or fifteen goal a season, man, then then obviously they would. But my my feeling is that that's not the same budget that we're talking about, really. Um, no, I think Cameron Jerome obviously he's still got a point to prove to people, in, and I'm not defending the fact he hasn't scored yet or or anything like that. I think his his performances on the pitch still require some improvement and and. That's never going to go away until he starts scoring goals or he or he starts starting games, in fact. Um, but as you alluded to there, the, every once in a while you do get players that have a more profound uh, effect off the pitch than they do on it. And people, whether it's whether it's a kind of a social thing. I, I remember Robbie Blake, for example, back in the day, he, he was like kind of like the social secretary of that team, kept things kept things going, you know, organised stuff. You know, he's, he was a great guy in the dressing room, but barely made an, made an impression on the pitch. I don't think Cameron Drome is that guy. I think he's more a coach, um, a, you know, an, an unofficial coach. And I think he never alluded to that in what he said, that he, uh, Sam Hurd, who obviously has now moved on, but uh, Peter Atherton, all defenders. So there are, there are little bits and pieces that they're not going to understand quite as well. As much as the football they play... Is, is quite attacking, obviously. There are little nuances to being a centre-forward, and particularly to the level that Cameron Drome has played. There are little nuances that maybe he knows that, that Ian Everett doesn't, and he is working with people, even somebody like Bod Varson, who is, is only, a, you know, is, is in his 30s himself, um, you know, to, to work on the game and help and just offer him that little bit of advice. And... and you know, I, I knew I knew when I put the story out. I'll be honest with you, Henry. Was, I, I've been kind of holding on to that one a little bit because I knew when I put the story out that people would just go blah, 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 and, and and dive on it and not really not really appreciate the point that that anybody was trying to make with it. And I, I hope people do. I hope people do kind of realise that it, it's more more to do with improving the game of Dion Charles, you know, Victor Adebayo, Daniel Lundalu, John Danny Bovarsen rather than saying but but he doesn't need to do it on the pitch that's not his that is not what is being said it's that he's doing a good job off it hmm. yeah well um yeah I, I think there is the need for that sort of player but uh yeah i also understand that to be honest with jerome he does need to start scoring a few goals hopefully he can have his kachunga moment there's a few players that do a kachunga moment and he'll score in a, in a big game but we'll wait and see uh right moving on um and uh, again I guess this there's an age link to it. Uh, Bolton have come out and said that they're uh, reaching out to former players on match days. And I don't think any of those former players will include players that are still playing uh, professional football. Um, I, I know Neil Hart kind of said that it's it's gone by the wayside a little bit with the, the relationship with former players. And, you know, I think it has personally. I think you look at other clubs and you've mentioned before, Everton are great mm. at uh, embracing their history and the players that have played for them. And I think Bolton, you know, it, 
okay, you look at the Big Sam days and those players might be a bit difficult to have a, a, a relationship where they come back over time. I know the likes of Stelios and Gardner and Davis and, you know, they're coming, they come back and they live locally. But, um, you know, whereas the Akotchas and the, the Anelkas and the Jufs might not be as easy. But, you know, even before that, the White Hot days, they, they should always be around the club, shouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of other clubs, they have network, uh, an old an old boys' association, um which is bigger than Bolton's. And I think the, the former Players Association um, has been around for a long time. They do some really good work. And I know Albert Lord, who is has been secretary for, for a long time, um, you know, they do some great work. But I think they needed some help to kind of bring in the next lot of players. I think they had, um, you know, a lot of players up to maybe the 80s. And then it was kind of the next, the white hot. And then, you know, beyond that. So I think they brought John McGinley on board. He's helped them enormously, and now there's a, a combination, there's a, an association rather between between that and the club. So that's a that's a very positive step um, because, as you say, there are there are clubs that do it really well. Everton being one of them, Liverpool, Newcastle. Uh, you go to these clubs and you see, and Manchester United, actually, in fairness, you know, former clubs, the former players rather being invited back. They have to do a bit with the fans, do a bit of hospitality and all that sort of stuff. It doesn't have to be a big kind of singing, dancing thing. I mean, you know, it's Bolton Wanderers. They're not, they're not going to be treated to, you know, wined and dined and, uh, you know, eight-course eight course lunches or anything like that. But I think that it, the, the link between the former players and the club had dissolved a little bit, probably because, you know, Simon Marland is obviously, he's now part-time with the club. He's He's been there for ages. and He'd been a quite a, quite a regular contact Andrew Dean, of course, he retired. He had been a very regular point of contact. And I know from, you know, I've been around for quite a while. So people will often get in touch with me and say, oh, well, where's where's Andrew gone? Can I, you know, can I get a ticket for that? Can I get a ticket for that? And so it, it's it's just establishing that link. And hopefully John McGinley, uh, with his work with the former Players Association, he can be that link and that can improve. And we've seen people like Mick Sue. Pat Alining come back recently, Nicky Hunt, saw Dean Crombie the other day, which was great to see Dean Crombie. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's loads and loads of players out there that would love to come back and watch and, and do a bit of reminiscing and all that kind of stuff. Um, and local ones as well. Uh, I always... We've often had a problem at the paper um, with talking to former players because they don't watch the club. You know, they mm. don't keep a regular enough... And it's awkward talking to a newspaper about what's happening at the minute about a football club, unless you're watching it, because you're just basically just moving your lips, aren't you? There's, there's no real knowledge or depth or insight in there. Um, and that kind of brought it home a little bit to me that, that there really isn't enough ex-Bolton players. Neil Watmore, bizarrely enough, does have a season ticket at Bolton. Um, he comes with his son. Uh, but beyond that, there's not too many, uh, and Super John, that have watched on a regular basis. And it's nice now to see that change. And it's nice now for, for the club to say, listen, guys, you know, if, if you want to, let us know. We'll organise something. We'll bring you back in. We'll make a bit of a fuss of you and all that kind of stuff. It's what clubs should do. And, you know, it, it helps to create that kind of Bolton family that we often talk about. But it's it's very easily kind of mislaid, I suppose. Yeah, it's, um, it, you know, it is difficult, uh, I guess, when you've... If you're a player or a person who lives in the other at the other end of a country, you, you I guess they'll always keep up to date with what Bolton are doing, but uh, it can be difficult to, like you said, to have that up to date knowledge. But I do think that 
while things are going good uh, on the pitch, you, okay, five or six years ago, there might be a lot of players that are a bit reluctant to to um, associate themselves with that regime or go, well, Bolton are losing every week and it's half-empty stadium. Uh, but now is the time for these guys to come back and be like a part of it. So, um, you know, yeah, it's it would be nice to see some of the older faces uh, knocking about and some of the older, you know, the players coming back and uh, and then being sitting next to Derek on Wanderers TV and being in hospitality and doing all of that. So, yeah, hopefully we'll see a lot more of it. Um, right, moving on to something else that Neil Hart said uh, in his chat with you. Um, he said that the club's tough approach on disorder around the stadium uh, has worked. Um, I, I, I've got to say, when we lost to Wigan, I was expecting a, a, a lot more inside the stadium like we had last time, uh, and they wasn't. So I was pleasantly surprised by that on a day where I wasn't pleasantly surprised by much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you go to every Bolton game. There is, there is moments, isn't there? But do you think that sort of stuff has calmed down a little bit or is there still work to do? I, there's probably still work to do. I, I, looking at the stats, the number of incidents seem to have dropped. Certainly this season, from from the chat I had with Neil, he was saying that there haven't been anything, any any major incidents this season, which is really good. I know there was a, a pitch invasion the other day, which the lad has been done for, but I don't know that that counts as major. Um, yeah, I, I think there, there was some very unpopular decisions, weren't there, when he first turned up. The membership scheme... We all had our say on it, and and I think there there were probably lessons to be learned on on how it was introduced and communicated, um, that they've taken and and used and they've improved on when they've done other things, um, but I think bringing it and and having an idea of who's who's sitting where, who's buying the tickets, yada yada yada. Obviously, there is a commercial element to it, but it's also there's also a safety element, and let's be honest, there is. With every club, there are a, a contingency of a contingent rather of, of of fans that just want to cause issues. Uh, football's always had it; it's the it's it's the disease it does have. I think Bolton have got hold of it. I don't think they've had major problems in the past, but there it does feel to me like there are more younger fans now around the stadium. It feels like there's more, you know, families and and the the numbers are obviously very good for this level of football. I think they're, they're averaging more than 21,000 for the first time in God knows how long. So I think, you know, statistically, it's all looking great. Um, away from home, I still think there's probably work to do. Anybody that follows Bolton away from home will will have seen things that make your toes curl sometimes. You know, uh, that's probably something that happens with every club as well. Uh, I think behaviourally, everybody can improve um, in that respect. But I think the, uh, I think the, the atmosphere has been great, really has been great. It's been very positive. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't think... I, I think the bottom line is that the, 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 the unpopular decisions that Football Ventures have made feel like they've worked to to improve that area of things. I mean, you, you come regularly, Henry. Do you feel the same way? Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, I think there's still... A lot of a lot of that. I think sometimes after the game, when there's a big away crowd, and if Bolton have won and are winding up the opposition, or mm. vice versa, there's still that that element. But that always um, happens, I suppose. Yeah, it's. I think, uh, you know, I think, yeah, it's for, for me. I, it's. 
I don't. I'm not seeing as much in, uh, in the crowd or, or in the actual game. And I guess that's all that Bolton can, and Football Ventures. That's all they can, you know, uh, deal with. I think yeah. the stuff outside the ground, it's they can't deal with that. It's it's actually okay. They're associated with the club, but it's probably not their issue with what goes on outside of the the stadium. But um, yeah, you know, if if Neil Hart, if, if they've got the stats to say it's uh, to say it's um, it's working and it's you know there's that element that have been cut out then uh, then great you know good uh, it's clearly working and you know because to the end of the day it's you want that element of uh that element you know they tend to be the loudest they tend to be, get the chance going they bring the atmosphere so you do kind of want that a little bit but the it's just the added stuff that if you're trying to sell the club as, you know, as a family club and sell the club to families to come and, and watch Bolton and, and young kids to support Bolton for all their lives, uh, that element it isn't really helping that. So, uh, yeah, if, 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 if they've took that out, then uh, then that's great. So let's move on to the final headline then. And this uh, we mentioned it before, but the Kevin Davis series, which was very entertaining uh, and brought back a lot of memories. Uh, and you ended on uh, on the juicy stuff, I'll say. Because we've all, we've heard people talk about the Sam Allardyce days, and it is great, and it was fascinating hearing how he, he joined the club. But we all were waiting for what he had to say about Dougie Friedman, and uh, <laughs> he didn't disappoint. He really didn't get on, and doesn't really like Dougie Friedman, does he? Uh, no, not not. I don't think he saw eye to eye one little bit. Um, it was great actually. I, I had a good sit down with Kev, um, who I think in his retirement years. And his work with the media has learned to be a bit more reflective and and, and it kind of tells his stories very, very well. I think the Supporters Trust thing that's coming up soon uh, with the, uh, the the European night with him and Nicky Hunt and, and Ricardo Gardner is going to be really good. Because I think he's, uh, he's certainly delving into those memory banks and remembering the stories a bit uh, a bit better than uh, than he used to do, so I'm 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 really happy with that. But I, I really enjoyed the chat because it was 20 years um, since he signed originally uh, for for Bolton, um, having been released by Southampton. And there were, I said this to Derek last week. There were there were bits that I'd never really discussed with him because obviously I dealt with him as a player, and you kind of deal with the day to day to day stuff. And then there were the key moments where even after he'd finished playing, you'd go back and talk about, oh, the goal at Munich or, you know, scoring or breaking your finger or, uh, you know, scoring at, you know, ruffling Liverpool's feathers or Arsenal's feathers, United's feathers, all, all the stuff that you'd expect. But we tried to make it so that we were talking about stuff that we hadn't spoken about before. And and I was really, really pleased that we, we did it that way. Um, got loads of uh, people... Um, you know, reading the stories, uh, you know, they seem to enjoy the stories as well. So I'm, I'm really glad about that. Um, which, uh, obviously, a, a big shout out. It's, it's subscribers only. If you want to read it, then please do subscribe to the Bolt News. And it, uh, it's all there, um, along with lots and lots more. But uh, the, the Dougie Freeman stuff was, was probably the pointiest stuff of the lot. Obviously, Dougie... And the weird thing is, and, and I even said this to Kev, the weird thing is, actually, I got on quite well with Dougie at the time. And I kind of have an I, appreciation of, of what he had in his mind, what he was trying to do, the pressures he was under. Um, and I'm not defending him for various things, but I can kind of understand what he was trying to do. Um, he obviously rubbed 
a lot of people up the wrong way, particularly within the club, and that never helped him. It meant when the bad times did come along that he didn't have that goodwill, and that definitely contributed to both magnifying those harder times and also accelerating the fact that the club had to change. So, yeah, it was uh, it was really it was a really interesting one. Kevin obviously uh, got told um, he was not going to get a new deal. I had. I even I even I was quite surprised at how far the relationship had deteriorated, um, and also we go back to what we were talking about there about former players. Uh, Dougie Freeman was very very anti former player. I think you know it was almost disinfected uh, the the history and the, the the nostalgia that kind of thing. He really disliked that. He wanted a a fresh piece of paper. Didn't want to talk about Sam Allardyce Premier League. You know anything? Basically, just wants all the pictures down off the walls. He wanted it to be, you know, very, uh, very direct and in his own type of thing. And I think that did um, again. It counted against him. But uh, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed the series. Yeah, um, I mean, Dougie Freeman's defense. To be honest, when I read it, um, you know that you, that was happening. He was only. Uh, you know, he, obviously Owen Kyle was before him, so he was only a few managers away from Sam Allardyce. So that ghost, kind of like United with Ferguson, that ghost yeah. was still, still there a lot more than it is now. Um, whether he, I know he's not managing anymore, but if, if if he was and came back, maybe it'd be different. But you know, if you remember at the time that Friedman, he came in in October when we had, we were near the bottom and people were worried that we were going to get relegated again with a, a massive wage bill. Um, and he turned it around and we almost got in the playoffs. And, you know, I think just like people look at the Stoke defeat at Wembley for Owen Coyle's downfall, that putting Rob Hall in, uh, in that Blackpool game was probably the start of his downfall. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I guess it's, it's one of those things, but I, I do agree. I think the way that, Kev got treated. He didn't play the last seven or eight games. I don't think was it, and um, and he he had to leave the club, you know, under under a cloud, and it, and it was a very subdued, uh, you know, leaving the club. And then he did well for Preston, so that was kind of a kicker as well. But um, yeah, it was it was a fascinating read, and uh, if you haven't read it, I would I would encourage anyone who uh, who hasn't to go and read it. Okay, let's have a new segment. Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? Here today, gone tomorrow. Who are you? Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? Here today, gone tomorrow. Who are you? The idea is pretty simple. Every week, we pick a letter of the alphabet. And spoiler alert, this is the first one we're doing, so we're on A. Uh, so, yeah, uh, every week, I'm going to bring you some fascinating facts, Henry. Some fascinating facts. And prepare to be amazed is all I'm telling you. Um, okay. So I, I'm going to pick two or three every week, uh, according to the corresponding letter. I want people to nominate players for fascinating facts. I have got some great emails in. All three of the ones that I'm going to give you now are based on suggestions, uh, player suggestions from people who emailed into the buff mail. Um, in fact, here's how to get in touch. Here's the email address. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on the buff mail at gmail.com. That's 
T-H-E-B-U-F-F-M-A-I-L, all one word, at gmail.com. And sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. There was the email address. Right. Uh, so what I need you to do, Henry, is uh, is to rate them. Now, we all know that dull and boring facts are rated according to the Dacus-Cogley scale, yes? <laughs> yes, yes. Obviously. So a rating of zero Dacus-Cogleys means that's dull, boring, let's just forget all about it. A rating of 10 Dacus-Cogleys, you just end the podcast there and then because you're not going to get any better than that, yes? Yeah. Okay, so... I'm going to bring you some fascinating facts. Uh, Fascinating fact number one. Blaise Augustine. Or Blaise Augustine in Polish, by the way. Um, So I thank you, uh, for Matthew, for nominating Blaise Augustine. Just a little bit of background on Blaise Augustine. He came through the academy um, in 2005, signed a pro deal 2006, never played for the first team. Uh, he went back to Poland, played for Legia Warsaw at quite a high level, played in Italy um, for Ascoli, Catania, Vicenza, played Serie A football. And he also, and I never knew this, but he, he also played for Hearts in Scotland as well. Ah. Played 22 games. So I'm guessing that on the Dakers Cogley scale, it hasn't gone that high so far. Um, just the fact that you mentioned his name, put it as a two. So he, he yeah. put it above a zero, but no, since then... I'll go to a three for the, the correct pronunciation of his name. Okay, so here we go. This is the spike. Here's where the Dacus Cogley scale goes through the roof. On August the 4th this year, Blaise Augustin beat Dominic Pudzanovicki in a sanctioned MMA match. He's a YouTube... He's a he's MMA fighter. The company's called Clout MMA. You can watch him on YouTube. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. He's got a big beard and he whacked two bells out of this Dominic fella. Um, But now he's a a fully-fledged MMA fighter. Okay, that's moving up to a six. When he starts uh, fighting, I don't know, KSI and uh, (laughs) Tommy Fury, they'll put it to a nine. But a six so far, that's that's doubled his Dacus Cogley rating. Well, okay, I'll I'll push it on. I've not even got this in my story, but I'm going to push it on one more. You are right, actually. For for MMA to to really prick this, the the public consciousness, they need to start bringing in the influencers. All I'm saying is, Blaise Augustine versus Thogden. How are we in? <laughs> uh, I put I I am in, but I yeah I I feel. St- I don't feel Fogden would recover from that. So uh, that I'd push it to a nine, definitely. And I'm sure there's some Bolton fans that would buy that on the pay-per-view, but uh, I don't think Fogden would last long. He's, uh, yeah. Uh, unless, and anyway, he'd go to he'd go out of the, the ring and go into the crowd so he could vlog it. <laughs> yeah, he'd have a little GoPro on at the same time. No, uh, he's very resourceful, is Theo. I think uh, you never know. Uh, right, okay, the second one. Let's see if we can beat. What did you give it in the end of six? Uh, yeah, I'll give him. Yeah, well, no, I'll give him a seven. That's he's, he's quite interesting. Okay, well, I'm going to see if I can see if I can do better with the next one then. Uh, Pierre Yves Andre is the Oof. nomination. And thanks to the buff male for this suggestion. I'm serious. That is who emailed in. He did send me an email about how well his business was doing. Um, but, you know, I mean, I've 
just not got time. Um, they've just not got time for that sort of thing. But uh, thanks to the buff male. Anyway, so um, a little quiz first for you, Henry. Uh, name the Celtic nations. Oh, uh, if I said Scotland. a Celtic nation, what would you say? Scotland and Ireland. Yeah, Wales maybe. Yeah, Wales. Yeah. Okay, so there are also three other Celtic nations: um, the Isle of Man, which is an interesting one; uh, right. Cornwall, which is weird; okay. uh, and Brittany. Um, Brittany, right. are you part of France? But uh, would you believe that Brittany have played internationals, uh, unsanctioned internationals, since 1922? The last one was in 2013. Um, in fact, right. over the course of time, they've played 22 games. But bizarrely, eight of them have been cancelled at the last minute because by French law, they are not allowed to play them during the same time as the French season. So a lot of players who said, well, I want to play for Brittany have then been pulled back by their clubs and told they're not allowed to do it. So Pierre-Yves André is one of the players who has a bona fide cap for Brittany to his name. There we go. Wow. That's a... Uh... That's um you know I'll give that a seven as well. That's a that's an interesting fact. That that is an interesting fact. Okay, third one. Let's see if we can. And this one's a little bit more left field. So I thank Richard for his nomination, by the way. But so you think Benikafobi, Benikafobi, Benikafobi. Uh, Thirteen clubs he's played for. Um, big money moves. Got lots of dough behind him. Loads of goals in the Championship. Not so many in the Premier League, really. But. Uh, for Bolton, he came on loan at the start of that championship season when Bolton had got relegated. He scored a hat-trick against Tranmere in pre-season. Uh, we called him Obi-Wan-a-phobie for a while. That stuck and, until we realised he wasn't that good at the time. Um, but something that Richard pointed out and something that I'd never really thought about. Right? Have you ever heard him called just a phobie? No, he, you know what? This, yeah, I've not, actually. There's he's always double-named. Yeah, there's a few people in it where the, their full name rolls off the tongue and you never call them, like, yours is a bit like, I'll call you Mark, but Mark Iles. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I thought exactly the same thing. When when Richard said this in, he said, just just say it, you've, you've never said a phobia, have you? I'm like, yeah, you're right, actually, it's better phobia. Barry Bannon, same as. Mm, yeah. Frank Worthington, I think, is another one. I don't think I've ever called him Worthington. No, it's, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Frank Worthington. I do wonder whether JJ Akotcha goes in that. You very rarely say Akotcha, but I, I probably have done. I don't think it's quite as as as, uh, as pronounced. But Benicophobia is is for me one word. Yeah, well, you know what? If there's any uh, any others, get in touch. Yeah, because uh, I, I I love these kind of thing. I've got a few, one or two mates who, uh, and just people that are you know you yeah you. They, they are those people that you've got to say the first name and the surname. It's, it's not just a surname. <laughs> Brilliant. Benicophobic. Benicophobic. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, what are you going to get? In Dacre's Coglis, how uh, how good is that? Um, I'm going to give that a... I'm going to give it a six uh, just because it is interesting and it's more of a, oh, yeah, I realised that. But it wasn't necessarily a fact about him. It's just a, an observation. Oh, but yeah, it yeah. could lead on to uh more than the other two it could lead on to more content for us so that's pushed it up a little bit so i'm gonna go six and also earlier this year uh his cleaner stole 400 grand's worth of jewelry from his mum's house and fled to romania well that's pushed him up to an eight <laughs> that's there you go that's grand man that's oh, that's word. the interesting uh that's the interesting fact that has pushed him to an eight right so 
you heard the email just before. I want letters. I want players, not necessarily just players, but uh, staff, anybody that's been connected with Bolton Wanderers, beginning, uh, the surname beginning with the letter B. Um, whack your nominations in. I'll try and do two or three next week, and uh, we shall see whether I can unearth some gems, see if I can get high up on the Dacus Cogner scale. But now, let's have a few predictions. Pass us me crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time! Northampton Town at home. I hear you shout. Uh, cobblers. I hear you no, reply. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to chuck it in there somewhere. I was, I was trying to work it into the intro, but I couldn't do it. Um, it's been a while since Bolton have played Northampton. I, I think it was the promotion season when, when Phil Parkinson's yeah. team got promoted. I remember Zach Clough scoring at their place, but I can't really remember the home game, if I'm honest. I remember the home game. It was March time. We went one. I think we went 1-0 down, and then... Um... You scored, I think there was a penalty, so I'm, I can't remember who scored the penalty. I'm just going to say Medine, maybe. I can't remember who were taking penalties at that point. Um, and uh, uh, Phil Moraes scored the winner. Is that right? Ooh, I might have to give Phil a, Phil a ring. He can do my bloody jingle that he's been, he's, he's owed me for God knows how long. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we said before, didn't we? This is there's a quite a lot of pressure off the back of that Carlisle thing, off the back of a, an international break where that is allowed to fester, off the back of just the general mood among Bolton supporters that Bolton are not doing as well as they probably should be doing. This is a big game, and defeat is not an option at the end of the day. No, it's not. Uh, Adam LaFondra scored Bolton's penalty in that game. I'm glad um, you found it. I, I'm just struggling. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think this one more than the Carlisle one, weirdly enough. Mm. Um, I think that Carlisle one, because before it, it, it was a bad defeat and Bolton expected to win. Uh, but with them bringing four and a half thousand, with, I think the manager has said just before it, it's the last game to get over the hump before the injuries come back. I think there was an element with it, that that... It wasn't, you know, it could have been a banana skin. I think this one, um, with respect to Northampton, they're a team that just, they, they, they kind of, they, they, I can, you can never know whether in League 2 or League 1, they're, they just jump between the yeah. two leagues, you know. So I think it is a must-win game for Bolton. I think if you lose this, it'll, it will be a bit of a disaster. Um, and I think it's a, a great opportunity for Bolton to really put a marker down because... Again, at the start of a the season, they were they were winning comfortably, but I don't think they've ever they ever sort of battered a team. Uh, and I'm not saying that they should be battering Northampton um, because they they are a good team within their own right. They beat Reading a few weeks ago, something we didn't do. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is a game that Bolton really should be winning. And uh, you know, but like I said before, if you don't win, then you suddenly you could be in seventh, eighth, ninth, and that won't be good at all. And, of course, we've got two tough away games coming up. So it's a, a huge game. Yeah, yeah. I think with those away games, and, and actually just looking at the next month of fixtures, it's it's really tough. Got some big games in there. Pompey and Oxford as well on the horizon. So they're games that, bottom line, you've got to win them if you're going to be going up there and, and calling yourself automatic promotion contenders, or at least you've got to be not losing those games. So... Yeah, I think I think this the pressure that we talked about there. There's going to be plenty on there. Obviously, 
Bolton managed to put how many past United's under twenty ones was it eight? I can't remember now. But um, yeah, eight. other than that, that's the only time we've ever seen them really, really let loose. It's been it's happened in fits and starts. It would be lovely to think that it would happen here. I don't see it happening here. I can see this being another game where Northampton sit back, they try and hit them on the counter, they frustrate. Um, I don't think they're a particularly direct or physical team. I think they do try and play football. They've got a few players, quite handy Hoskin, obviously, that's uh, scored plenty of goals. Sam Hoskins got linked with Bolton, actually, last season, I think, when he was scoring those in League Two. Um, I think he's got five already this season as well. So, And they've won two of the last three as well. So they're coming in with reasonable form as well, the Cobblers. So it's not going to be an easy one for Bolton. I do think they're going to have to try and cut through again. Hopefully, as, as Everett said, his, kind of his X-Factor players can, can be firing. I'm hoping that Dion Charles is 100%. I'm hoping that you know Ricardo Santos... Is, is fit and firing, that he's kind of up and around. I'm hoping that all the other players that have been carrying injuries, Kyle Dempsey as well, is, is another one he's just been playing within himself. He's been soldiering on, but it, it'd be nothing like the same sort of player beforehand. So hopefully all those aches and pains have, have been eased by the international break and we can see Bolton at something like their best. I think they'll win the game. I think it'd be tight. I'm, I'm actually only going to go 2-0 um, and both goals being in the second half later on. So it's going to be tense first half and then come through and, and win the game in the end. 2-0 for me. What about you? Uh, I'm going to go 3-1. I think um, if Bolton get a fast start, I think that'll it'll calm everyone down. I think, yeah. uh, you know, I think the, the international break has probably come at the best time for Bolton. Um, I, I know we joked about not much to talk about, but there's which is not good for you, but maybe for the players, it's good that the, um, there's no noise in and around. They can just crack on, get like, analyze the Carlisle defeat and then move on to this game and the, the two away games coming up. Um, and I, I think Bolton, I think we'll, we'll obviously have enough to beat Northampton. Um, you know, they, they will probably make it difficult. They have got a goal scorer in there, which is, is dangerous when, Teams at the bottom have got a player like Cheltenham with Alfie May last year and the year yeah. before when they've got that player who can get them a goal. It can always be dangerous, but um, no, I think we'll we'll be fine. I think we will have that fast start. We'll get a goal in the first 10 or 15 minutes and then, um, you know, win three. I'd like to see us have a clean sheet, but I think it'd be 3-1. But uh, yeah, we'll, um, we'll, we'll see. I think it's... It is a very big game for Bolton. Then going into the Wickham game, of course, which, I mean, we've never scored at Wickham, so scoring a goal would be a good start. Yeah, uh, I mean, Wickham, on a Tuesday night, that's just, that's not where I want to be in life. It really isn't. I don't want to be in Wickham <laughs> on a Tuesday night in any in any no. sphere, basically. Um, yeah, I'm not really looking forward to it. I've got to be honest, Wickham, whilst I think they may have just tweaked things a little bit, they're not quite as kind of powerful and direct as they used to be I think they're still very much uh, a big test on a Tuesday night against a team that hopefully won't be fragile and, and hopefully they'll gain some confidence from Saturday and get a result that will certainly help but you've got Kieran Sadlier there who you can you can just see coming off the bench and doing something um, and, and Wickham are, are certainly improving I think they had a little bit of a ropey start but they're certainly looking like they're going to be up there and, and challenging for a top six spot if if not a bit higher than that so yeah I, I can see that being a tough one I'd, I'd like to say 
they'll get a goal, they'll get a point, but I reckon it's going to be a tense nil-nil. What about you? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to go there and, um, I mean, I, I, I say that, Bolton, you know, we, despite the defeats, obviously, we think back to that, uh, the game, the has-it-been-done game. Um, yeah. And that was, a, a, a ironically, a, a kind of a, a memorable day for Bolton fans, even though we lost. But, um, yeah, since then, we've had a few 1-0s, haven't we? So, it's it's always been tight. I think... I think if we can get a, a a good win on Saturday, I think that momentum will be back, um, and hopefully we can get a you know three points. And I think if we can get two wins going into next week against Charlton, um, I think that'll do us the world of good. We'll be comfortable in the playoffs and looking up towards Oxford and, and Portsmouth because that's the worry at the moment is you don't really want those teams running away with it. No, because um, uh, yeah, you just it's, I don't you'd think rather. I don't think they will. I think I think Pompey are up there to stay. I'm, I'm a little less about Oxford. I think they probably will be there or thereabouts, but I don't think they're going to go challenging. I mean, I said that about Plymouth last season. Look at that. But I, I do think Pompey will be up there. I think Pompey are Bolton's main rival. A Derby will come good as well. I think Derby will be up there eventually, but um, it's definitely those two, and then maybe Oxford for me at the minute still. Uh, but. As you say, you don't want to be losing too much ground right at this minute in time. Do you think they'll get anything at Wickham? Do you think what what's your prediction? Um, I think we can do, yeah. I think it's about time and um you know, I I think yeah, I think we we can go over. I, I I truly think this this international break has has come at the right time and I think also you're looking at the players that are away, Sheehan, Charles and Toll haven't played two games, you know, like and they've been still within uh, the UK, so uh, I think that'll that'll help. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think we can, we can go on a bit of run. Charlton, it, ironically, you look at Wickham and think we drew a win there. We've probably had a, quite a few wins at Charlton where we drew a defeat. So that's on the other side of it. So we'll talk about that next week. But I'd, I'd like to think we can get two wins. Yeah, next week. I tell you what, we're going to do next week. I'm hoping uh, to do this. I, I kept a bit of a video diary. Um, at Port Vale, the last away game, and we used it on TikTok. But I'm hoping I can find a way of, of doing something, doing a bit of an away day diary uh, for the podcast. I'm, I'm going to try and give that a whirl at Wickham on Tuesday. So we we may have that for you next week. We'll sh- we shall see. Um, but that's all next week. That's next Friday. Henry's back. Football's back. All is right with the world. Um, and next week, we'll be able to look forward to Halloween. And uh, yeah. Sitting in a dark room with the big giant tub of sweets you bought for the trick or treaters, <laughs> and not not answering the door. Is that just me? Is that just just the way that no, I do that's things? Same in our house as well. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you very much for joining us once again. Uh, episode one hundred and ninety-four was it? Three, four. It's right up there in the one nineties anyway. Um, but uh, one ninety-four. I've just had to scroll up to the top of my notes to get that one. But episode one hundred and ninety-four in the can. That guy has been Henry Hewitt. And this guy has been Mark Isles. And this has been The Buff. 